Many of you know uh, Reverend Eddie Stewart because of his going into the places of the broken, especially the prisons. He leads our prison ministry here at Mount Hope. What you may not know is that long before that, he was uh, he's from Jamaica, and he led a national ministry in Jamaica to children and to youth while he was there. And he continues in ministry here in various capacities. He's a credentialed minister with the Assemblies of God. And he goes into the prisons. Our prison ministry leads our prison ministry that goes into two different prisons. Uh, on the first Sunday of the month, they go into Framingham Women's Prison. We've been doing that for years and bring the good news of Jesus Christ into that place. And then on the third Sunday of the month, which is today, which means he's preaching this morning, and then he has to go preach this afternoon at uh, the Bill Ricca House of Correction that uh, they started taking a team to last year, do two services on Sunday afternoons at the Bill Ricca House of Correction and uh, preaching the gospel there to the inmates and the uh, people that are there. And those places are places that are often forgotten, full of broken people, of course, but often also forgotten people. And uh, the gospel is being brought into there. But Reverend Eddie also leads a Bible study at our Belmont location on Tuesday nights. Thinks he also leads a small group somewhere, too, in there. I'm not sure when he finds time to do all that. Um, but he does that. He and Annette live in Burlington. They've been coming to Mount Hope for 20, just about 20 years. They have three adult children, Andrew, Jolene, and Pettigay. And uh, we are excited to hear the word that God has given him this morning. Would you welcome him as he comes to bring the word of God today? Thank you, Pastor. Amen. I'm on? Good. Good morning, church. It is good for us to be here, to be in the presence of the Lord. The word said in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And this morning, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good that you're here. If you're new, welcome. And if you're the oldie but goodie, oh, we are glad to have you always, you know. It's good to have you here. This morning when Jesse and um, Aaron entered this sanctuary, it was dark. You know, there was no lights, no instrument playing, it was all dark. But this one thing they do, they had confidence that there was power in those walls. There was something called electrical power. And all they needed to do was to just plug in. Amen. I want you to plug into God this morning. Amen. Whatever your circumstances, whatever you need, whatever you're going through. Like I've often said, God is bigger. God is greater. God is able. And he's here to meet every need and to touch every life. Sometimes we just come to church and we just sit in the premises. But we don't stand on the promises. Amen. This one we want to stand on the promises. There's a lot of rich promises in the word of God. And um, you just have to plug into God. He's in the house. Just, uh, I was sharing in the first service. Scripture said that when Jesus passed through Capernaum, it was noise abroad. Hey, he's in the house. He's in the house. He's in the house this morning. Amen. He's in the house. By faith, we know he's here. He said, we're two or three gathered together. He said, hey, I'm in the midst of all that. I am right there. So you have the right place 
this morning at the right time. And he's here to meet every need and to touch your life just right where you are. Amen. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at 2 Peter chapter 1 and 3 to 11. And Pastor Rick and uh, all of our great speakers have been sharing with you from this passage. And I just want to refresh your memory and read through it again. I'm going to be sharing a little bit more on this passage, another aspect. And 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 to 11, the word said, His divine powers granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption of, of the world because of sinful lust or desires. For for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness, that's what we're going to major in on this morning, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection and love. Amen. That's Second Peter. Peter, And just to review that what Peter was basically saying, hey, God, by his divine power, by his own omnipotence, for have granted unto us all things pertaining to life and godliness. And now that you're born again, and now that you're, now that you're a Christian, now that you have, he has given us a divine nature that calls us to escape the world and all its corruption and sinful desire. And Peter was saying, hey, now that you're born again, now that you're a Christian, I want you to do something. Add to your faith, you know, kind of grow up in your faith. I always say one of the problems with Christianity or the church today is that too many people are at first base. Praise God, I'm born again. I love Jesus. But they never quite move on from first base. A lot of people are dying at first base. Bickering and quarreling, and this is my Cheer, and you don't sit here and, uh, you know, just a lot of carnal things. Paul admonished us to grow in grace and in knowledge of Christ. And Peter is basically echoing the same thing. You know, we need to try and clear first base, second base, and third base. There's the unsearchable riches of Christ, and we can always move on in God. Amen? Amen. So Paul said, said, add to your faith. Now that you're a Christian, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness. And he said above all this, brotherly love. Love one another. Love your fellow human beings. How's your love life this morning concerning your brothers and sisters? Paul said, Peter said, if you don't do these things, I'm telling you, you cannot have an effective and a fruitful ministry. If you don't do these things, oh, it's like you're short-sighted and you're blind. So make your calling and election sure. So that when the Lord comes, we might have a glorious entrance into his kingdom. Paul is, Peter was saying, put on all these things. It's very important. Want to make a few observations here? If you're a normal human being and you live on this planet Earth, you begin to realize a few things 
that there's over seven, seven billion people on this earth. And um, we know uh, we're all stuck here on this planet, all right. And one thing is sure, I said, none of us is getting out alive. <laughs> so it behooves us to ask the question, who am I? What's the meaning of life? Why am I here? And further, we realize that we are from different tribes and nation and culture and tongue and of our own. We have our own concept of right and wrong and um, cultural norms and habits. And we further observe that sooner or later we come to realize it's a broken world. Broken up people and broken up lives and broken up homes, hurting people, hurting lives. And it doesn't matter whether you're red or yellow or black or white. Job said that man that is born of a woman is of a few days. You step out of your house, you begin to see some people, you can't say, here comes trouble. <laughs> man that is born of a woman, they're a few days, and they're full of trouble. So where do we find out? The Bible teaches us that we are Christians. And we live on this planet Earth, and the Word says... That you and I make this world worthwhile living. You give taste to the world. You're the salt of the earth. In a world of darkness, you are the light. And we should never take those things for granted. And as Christians, we should bring something different um, to the table. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And as Christians, we need to come to realization that we are not American first, or Italian, or Irish. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven. We are ambassadors for Christ. And you know what? We should bring the values of the kingdom into a broken world. Too often we fall short of that. God's vision is a world vision. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. God, when he loved, he loved the world. When he sent his son, he sent him to die for the world. And when he's granting salvation, he said, whosoever. Believe it, can enter the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? That means every life has value. Every nation and kingdom and tribe means something to God. But here's what happened to us, even as Christians. We become victim of the culture. We think like the culture think. We talk like the, cult, the culture talk. We talk about those kind of people. I can't stand oh, those guys. Oh. When Jesus came, he stood against the culture. He stood against the norm. And Jesus decided, I'm going to bring the values of the kingdom to a broken world. We have the story early on of how, how Jesus did it. How he was different. And how we must bring kingdom values to a broken culture. And as we bring that kingdom value to a broken culture, that's how we will begin to understand 
why we need to love one another and to love our brothers and sisters. The scripture tells us that when Christ was on earth, his earthly journey, it, there came a point where Jesus made, it was quite a bombshell for the time that they're living. In John 4, 4, 40, 4 to 43, can read your own time. Jesus reached a point where he said to the disciples, you know, and then he sent them off to buy food and bread. He said, I must pass through Samaria. And that was quite a bombshell because, you know, Jesus, you must be a little new around here. But we don't do that. I don't know where you come from, Lord, but you're a little green. <laughs> we don't do that. We despise the, Samar the Samaritans. Samaria was a little town in the northern kingdom. I think I saw the, there, Samaria. Little town in the northern kingdom of Israel. And you notice it's located between Galilee and Judea. Mixed race. Half Jewish and half pagan. As far as the Jews are concerned, they weren't the real thing. They were little half-breeds. Oh, my God. They were less than. Nobody in their right mind, Jesus, goes to Samaria. Don't you understand it, Lord? That's how we do it, you know? It's not that I hate anybody, you know, but I just can't stand certain people. <laughs> we kind of do that sometimes. Hope we don't do that around here anymore. But, you know, or in our society, we hope it would change. But that's why we have division and segregation and, and racism and all the ism in our country, you know, because those kind of people, you know. Oh, no, those kind of you, you know. Make it a little different from us. I don't have to take a shower or anything. No, I don't want those are nasty. They say all manner of evil against each other. Jesus said, I must pass through Samaria. And the, and the Samaritan, they worship Yahweh. They only believe in the first five books of the Torah. And um, both they and the Jews expressed. Hatred. The Jews think, Jesus, if you pass through Samaria, you'll get contaminated. Don't go down that road. And the rift was so bad that if you're moving from Judea to, to Galilee or Galilee to Judea, they would cross the river Jordan, go around, and then cross Jordan. Yikes! Ah, I don't know what you call it in your modern lexicon, but it's, you think they kind of hate them? <laughs> you think they kind of didn't love each other? You think they kind of didn't quite exercise brotherly love? Oh, they were religious. You know, and they were full of something. I'm sure it wasn't, they weren't full of Jesus, but they were, <laughs> they were full of something. <laughs> Funny kind of religion that didn't quite love. Jesus went to Samaria to a, a place called Sychar, plot of land. And there was Jacob Webb. And the Bible said um, it was midday. Nobody come and draw water at midday. But if you're here to this morning, I want you to know that God knows your name. He knows your number. He knows where you live. He knows the hair on your head. You are no stranger to God. And this woman, probably they say a woman of ill repute, 
You know, she has developed a track record and she don't want to be seen. The crowd. So Jesus went, saw this woman at the well and he said, give me the drink. And she said, that's not yeah. You're a Jewish, yeah? You're a Jew, and you're asking me a Samaritan for drink? And the well is deep, and you have nothing to catch water. What are you talking about? Jesus said, if you only knew, if only you knew, woman, who was talking to you, I will give you the water that you will never thirst again. All this is, in, is unusual at midday in Samaria. Who's this guy Jesus think he is causing all this disruption? Jesus, we don't do that around here, you know? We, we separate ourselves from certain people. We have to examine our own love life in church, you know? Probably you see one brother coming through that door. He says, I'm going to take the other door. Sister, sit on this. No, I'm going to sit on this. No. My spirit just don't take certain kind of, you know? Somebody have the wrongs for it, huh? My spirit don't take certain kind of people. And Jesus said, if you knew who talked to you, we'll give you water. You'll never thirst again. And you, man, give me that water. What are you talking about here? And then Jesus stopped her in her track and said, go call your husband. Like I said, there are two schools of thought on, on this um, issue. Whether she was a loose woman that go from man to man, and living with a man that doesn't really know her, or in those patriarchal society, those days, you know, men just used women. Probably she didn't put the right milk in the coffee or whatever they had those days. And the word husband, you're out of here, <laughs> you know. So she keep going from guys to guys who abuse her, and even the one that she's with now weren't his. She said to Jesus, "Hey, I have no husband." Jesus, oh, not so fast. <laughs> not so fast. Hang on there. You have had five. The one you're living with now is not yours. Cheats. Yikes. Reading her letter out loud. Ooh, don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> God was reading her letter out loud. And, she, and then... It wasn't Poland spring water Jesus was offering or anything like that. Market basket short. And then it dawned on her, I perceive you're a prophet. And I know they said that Messiah will come, the Christ, and will show us all things. And Jesus said to her, I that speak it to you, I am he. And she said, oh my God, it's him. It's him, it's him, and she was off to the races, leaving her water pot behind. But how's your love life as you relate to people this morning? You notice what Jesus did. He didn't pick up on the norm of the culture and say, hey, this is how we do it. No. <laughs> Never do anything like that. You know? That's how we do it around here. That's the norm. Jesus didn't say anything like that. But Jesus met the woman at the well to let her know, you're not a half-breed. You're not a nobody. You're not an outcast. You're not 
less than. The blessings belong to you. The kingdom belongs to you. God, you are part of God's plan and your life had value. Amen. We're talking about broadly love here. Billy Graham shared his story the first time he met Mother Teresa. Had an appointment to meet Mother Teresa. Billy Graham arrived. He had to wait about an hour or more. Jeez, Mother Teresa, do you know who Billy Graham What's going on here? And the story said that a couple of days before Mother Teresa picked, you know, they picked up these women battered and bruised and abused by men from the streets, HIV, dying. And just at that moment, Mother Teresa took that woman in her arms as she breathed, as she breathed and breathed. And, on, and she stayed there praying with her, staying with her. You know, Billy who? You better wait, chap. She stayed with that woman, that little outcast, that little nobody. That woman that felt like she was inferior. She stayed with that woman. She breathed the last breath. And then she took her hands and closed her eyes. How is our love life? How do we treat our brothers and sisters and those who we think that are less than, less than. Church, you and I will never lift any load until we feel it in our own soul. When you have a compassion for your fellow man, for your brothers and sisters, you don't just love who love you. That's how the world do it. You don't, I don't I like you either. That's how the world do it. We don't do it that way. We learn to love the unlovable. This woman wasn't too friendly. With, she was probably hostile in the beginning. Called, hey, you're a Jew, right? Just keep your distance. I'm Samaritan. I'm, you know, we, we don't quite mix. Tony Bennett sing the song, I left my heart in San Francisco. <laughs> Jesus left his heart in Samaria. Amen. Where's your heart this morning? Peter's challenging us. Add to your faith, brotherly love. The songwriter said, if I can help somebody as I pass along. If I could cheer somebody with a word or song, if I could show somebody he or she is traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. Amen. Can you make a difference tonight? Jesus' message to this outcast was that she belonged. Jackie Robinson, the famous, great Jackie Robinson, famous baseball player, Said, one said, life is not important except on the impact it has on other lives. What kind of impact you're making today as a Christian? You're still over for first base quarreling about your chair. And your, what kind of impact are you making as a Christian 
in terms of loving your brother, in, 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 terms, of, in terms of caring for your, your fellow man, what kind of impact you're having? Peter was saying, you cannot be an effective Christian, you cannot be a fruitful Christian if you don't love your brother and love one another and love a certain kind of people. You know what I'm saying? He said, oh, love certain kind of people. She sits over there, I'm going to sit over here. Can't take certain kind of people. Should not be in the church, it should not be in the body of Christ. On the eve of Martin Luther King Day today, Martin Luther King said, don't stoop so low that you hate. Word to the wise. We are to love one another. We are to call this message of love. That compassion Mother Teresa showed. The compassion Jesus said, I must pass through Samaria. And ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, this morning, you are not ready for ministry yet. Until they reach that point, Jesus reached and said, I must pass through Samaria. They don't trot in, they look at nobody. Those who don't belong, those who you wouldn't think of twice. But Jesus said, I'm bringing the values of the kingdom. That is kingdom value. That's the values of the kingdom where you love people, where you love one another. And I must pass through Samaria. When you reach that point, you're ready for ministry. And you know red or yellow, black or white, they're precious in his sight. Friends, you can make a difference. If and when you should depart this world, the best thing you want people to say about you is that he came, he saw, and he make a difference. Amen? This world is so messed up and broken, probably will never be able to change it all. Sin is so rampant. But the least we can do for the Lord, we can, we can make a difference in people's lives. Hurting people. People who don't believe anybody even know my name. Does anybody even know who I am? Billy Graham once says that each month in his ministry he received about a thousand letters on loneliness. Anybody lonely in this church this morning? Feel disconnected, that you don't belong, you just don't add up. And loneliness means that you might be sitting in Gillette Stadium and the crowd is roaring, Brady to Gronk or or, you know, take, or, or Troy Brown, take it to the house. And everybody's screaming and you sit there. Singing your little song, all alone am I. Total disconnection. People are screaming around you. But yet you don't know a soul. Empty, empty. Samaritan woman was a lonely guy, lady. Came alone at midday. If you're here today and you're in that condition, lonely and feel disconnected, don't leave this place without talking to us this morning. Don't leave in that condition. You feel like nobody loves you and you say, man, it's really lonely out here. I know people get all sorts of issues in their life at time and you can hear their cry for help. This is the last day in this church, that anybody will come here and feel, I don't belong. We are not that kind of church. 
Jesus wanted to tell this woman that you belong. And probably it's a good day for some, some confession. For one brother to meet another brother and say, brother, I've had all against you. I love you. I want you to forgive me. Or a sister said to another sister, look, I've had something against you in my heart. It's not right. I love you. I want you to forgive me. Because we ought to love one another. Amen. Amen. We ought to love one another. They shall know we are Christians by our love. By our love. Word said, owe no man anything but love. Some of you probably in a lot of debt. You owe this bill and that bill and that bill. But when it comes to your fellow man, don't owe him love. You know, I don't kind of, you know, I just stay over here and he stays over there. And, you know, it's peaceful this way. Owe no man anything but love. You don't be the one, oh, she's coming. Oh, my God. Is she gone yet? We don't do that. We don't roll that way around here. Amen. Amen. We confess our faults one to another. And we let um, broadly love abound. About eight or ten years ago, I had what I always see as an embarrassing situation. I had finished speaking in the institution in Framingham on Sunday morning and standing before me was a blonde woman. And she just came by and said, hey, Pastor Eddie, I just come to say thanks. I said, what's going on? She said, well, I'm leaving next week. And I want you to know you have no idea what you've done. Jeez. So I began to refresh who this woman was. This woman has just completed a sentence of 35 years to life in prison. She killed her husband. But for good behavior and all that, after 35 years, she is about to be released. And she said, looked at me and said, you have no idea. And now I look back, I, 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 I think uh, the depths of depravity and where that lady must have been coming from, I have no idea. I can probably can't identify with it. But she came to the service one Sunday morning. And a little preacher stand up there and declare, whatever you're going through, God is bigger, God is greater, God is able. And somebody believed. She believed the word of God. It was her last chance. She felt. So I said to her, any, oh, mother died, father died, brother died, sister died. I'm alone in the world. I have nobody. But it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. God scaled the fences of Framingham, went through the metal detectors, broke down the wall, found this woman by the power of his spirit, and she surrendered her life to Christ. And she is thinking, if God can do that, I have no worries. Look what Jesus did. Look where he brought me from. Look what God did. And I was there feeling like, I need to ask this woman to pray for me. I don't know where that faith comes from. 
But I know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think of. And even more, I believe that might be a word for somebody at this moment. Whatever you might be going through, God is bigger. God is greater. God is able. Amen? When she heard those words, she probably said, man, if that is true, this is my opportunity to get out of this bondage and shame. And she found Jesus Christ in her life. And like Sister Shirley Caesar sing, sing the song, he has put that reassurance deep down in my soul that he has got it all in control. Amen. This woman was confident. It's going to be all right. Don't worry. It's going to be all right. You've done enough. You, you guys have no idea. And if you're here this morning in this church, feel disconnected, unloved, and lonely, it is your opportunity to seek, get a fresh touch from God. The woman with AC of blood for 12 years, she pressed in the crowd and she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be fine. I'll be made whole. And sometimes, if you know, you have to press through. You're going through things, but you've got to press through into God. Don't just sit in the premises. Stand on the promises of God. Amen? You have to press your way through. And this woman pressed her way through. And Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples said, oh God, this is absurd. Look at the crowd, Lord. And you ask who touched me? Jesus said, somebody touched me. I feel virtue. I feel power moved out of my body. Probably you need a touch this morning, a fresh touch from God. Right where you are. Then the little the woman come trembling as Jesus tried to find out who it was. She came trembling at the feet of Jesus. Totally healed, delivered, and made whole. And this morning, if you're here, it is your moment. You might feel like you're like you're a nobody, and nothing good will ever happen to me. But that's the good news of the gospel. Somebody became a nobody so that a nobody can become somebody. Somebody became a nobody like you and I so that little nobodies like you and I can become somebody in the sight of God. Amen? You are the right place this morning. God wants to touch you. Jesus said, who touched me? And like I say, the hands lifted in faith will touch God. And I want the church to say that this morning. The hands lifted in faith will touch God. Say that again. The hands lifted in faith will touch God. That woman touched God that day. Hallelujah. And you might be former Catholics, but you can say amen. Say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. Hands lifted in faith will touch God. And you can touch God this morning. I'm going to ask Aaron and Jesse to come. And if you're in this place and you're not a Christian, you're not saved, this is the right moment to say yes to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask everyone right where you are to just bow your heads. 
and close your eyes. And if you're here, you're not saved, you're not a Christian, this is your moment. If you realize that, look, I need Jesus Christ in my life. Just raise your, your hand where you are, saying, I need Jesus. If there's one person. Oh, heaven is about to rejoice over one sinner that repent. And if you're that person this morning who know Jesus Christ, this is your hour. This is your moment. And if you're here this morning, you need to get a few things right with God. Like loving your brothers. Like realize that you're not ready for ministry until you're ready to say, I must pass through Samaria where the little nobodies live. They don't add up. But as Christians, every life is worth it. Every life adds up. I'm going to ask um, Aaron and Jesse to, to sing for us. And if you're here this morning, the, these altars are open for you to commit yourself to God, for you to talk to God. The songwriter said, have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your trouble. He will hear your faintest cry and he will answer by and by. God wants to touch you this morning Right where you live, right where you are. He's coming down your street. He's coming down your lane. He wants to meet you. He knows your name. He knows your number. He knows what you're going through. You're not a little nobody to God. You're important to God. Make it right this morning. It is your hour. It's your moment. Do it. Do it. Get right with God. Amen. Amen.